Again, I'm glad you're with us today. Our desire as a congregation of believers is not to be distracted by the busyness of the season, but instead to stay focused on what we're celebrating when one celebrates Christmas. I'm grateful for the Houston family in the lighting of our Advent wreath. We'll light a candle each Sunday as we slowly move toward Christmas. And that's just one way that we can kind of think about what is it that we're celebrating. And throughout the month of December, my emphasis will be on the cast of Christmas, those individuals that God used to bring this story forward. And we've even provided for your benefit a little devotional guide that I hope you're taking advantage of if you're a guest with us today or you've been unable to attend as a member. We, we still have copies available on the tables on your way out. You'll see it. It looks like this. Uh, this is intended to help you every day to just pause and to kind of refocus, uh, to think about some things in a way that would move us toward the celebration of Christmas. Now, my wife and I have been trying to, to do that at the dinner time as we can share the questions that they raise, but you might want to do it in the morning or you might want to do it at the end of the day. However you want to approach it, my encouragement is try to, to utilize it because it will, it will kind of force you into thinking about things in a way that could benefit you. If you wonder now how do the readings uh, pr progress, just read the, the number of the reading that lines up with the day of the month. Today is December the 8th, and so you would read number 8 as you move on through the month of December. I had someone at the men's breakfast this past Monday ask, well, then what about Christmas Eve and Christmas Day? It seems like there's separate readings for that. And so when you come to the 24th and the 25th, you can read two readings or you can simply read the ones designed for Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. And I think it will be an encouragement to you as, as you choose to do so. But take advantage of that. Let it be a blessing to you. I, I, I'm convinced if we establish this pattern God has the opportunity to kind of renew our hearts. This morning, though, in a, in a brief way, I'd like to emphasize the second part of our cast of characters, those that are referred to as the angels in Scripture. Probably most of us would say angels are somewhat mysterious as you read about them in the Bible in terms of all that God utilizes angels to do. You should realize angels were created by God. Uh, you don't, after you die, transition into an angel. No, angels were actually uniquely created by the eternal God to serve purpose and plan. And part of what they would do is accomplish the things God asked them to do. And if you read through the New Testament in particular, realize that God will utilize the angels in some dramatic ways. At the resurrection of Jesus, if you didn't know, it was the angel of the Lord that removed the stone. Uh, it's the angels that Jesus says God will use to actually divide the redeemed from the condemned. That's a pretty significant role as they separate those who know Christ from those who don't know him as we will ultimately face God. Uh, that's a role of angels. And if you read the last book of the New Testament... We cannot deny that angels are instrumental in bringing forward the culminating plan of God as he's designed it to be. That's an angelic role. 
More times than not, particularly at Christmas, though, we don't think of them in that way. We think of them primarily as those individuals or entities that God used to deliver a message. It was an angel that appears to Zechariah in Matthew 1 informing him that he and his wife would have a child late in their years. It was an angel that God sent to the young woman Mary informing her that God desired to bestow tremendous favor upon her as she would become the mother of this promised child. It was an angel that appears to Joseph, her betrothed in a dream, to deliver a message to him that, that this child she carries was not conceived illegitimately. And if you know the Christmas story, it's an, an angel in a group of angels that herald the birth of Jesus. In Luke chapter 2, you know the story quite well. Listen to their role as it's described, beginning in verse 7, referring to the birth of Jesus. And she, Mary, gave birth to her firstborn son, wrapped him in swaddling cloths, and laid him in a manger, because there was no place for them in the inn. And in the same region, there were shepherds. And by the way, we'll be looking at the shepherds next Sunday. There were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock by nine. Be for all city of Dave sales. What? To make the Dave baby wrapped in swaddling cloth, toot of the heavenly with whom he, we think about angels. And in a way, it highlights what honestly is their primary role in Scripture. If you think about the word angel, it's based upon a Greek term in the New Testament's angelos, and you can even see in the spelling of that the word angel is present. But what you may not fully appreciate is that term actually means messenger. That the angels, if you read both in the Old and New Testament, their primary role was to deliver a message. And at Christmas, that message was one of hope. They came declaring God was seeking to act to affect our lives for the, for the better. They delivered the message, which I find this interesting. You know, we sometimes talk about wanting to act like angels. You know, the most angelic thing you can ever do is to deliver God's message of hope because that is what the angels did as we celebrate the Christmas story. And I, I highlight that because I'd like us to spend the remainder of the time just talking about how God uses people in that kind of way, where he has mobilized individuals who will share a message of hope. We've been praying for those individuals this past week during our week of prayer for foreign missions. But let me just kind of set the stage for this by just sharing with you a video that reminds us of messengers that Jesus, that God is using even this very day. Enjoy the video. Thousands come. 
come to faith in Christ. We are able to do so much more together than if we were chasing this vision alone. This is our common effort. Together. See, through our IMB offering that we receive through the month of December, we're supporting individuals who will face us in the world where they don't have the level of support or even the opportunity to hear that message. And so your generosity matters toward that end. But to underscore the importance of that, uh, we have angels among us, if I use that metaphor. We're blessed to have Landon and Neldon Jones who are retired missionaries who spent a great portion of their lives in the nation of Brazil. And I thought it would be beneficial just to interview them in a way to illustrate how we should be delivering this message. So let me ask you, let's welcome the Joneses as they join me here on the platform. You may have not had the opportunity to interact as much with them in this service because they attend our contemporary service and they lead out uh, in one of our small groups at the 9.30 hour, but I imposed on them because I wanted you to have an opportunity to appreciate how God uses messengers today and affects the lives of others because of that. Now, I, I s s indicated they have served a number of years uh, in the nation of Brazil, and so if I could maybe just have you share with us in a brief way some of what God enabled you to do while you were serving the Lord down in South America. Landon, you want to start? Okay. Uh, usually I don't use a microphone. I, I'm just curious, Pastor, when do we get our wings back? <laughs> <laughs> you know, sort of feel like Clarence, Angel Second Class. There you go. And, uh, <laughs> it's a wonderful life. Okay. I'm waiting uh, for the bell to ring. Yeah, see. waiting for the bell to ring. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, it was our privilege, Nell and I, to serve as your missionaries in Brazil for 36 years. Um, at the time when we came back from for retirement, we had actually spent most of our adult life in Brazil, more there than, than here. And so uh, we are grateful for your support through those years. Um, we began our mission service uh, basically responding to a call. Nella will fill you in on that. And doing their due diligence at seminary, preparing academically, and then choosing that place where our gifts would meet the need. And when we went out, that was Brazil. I went out specifically to be a seminary teacher. Uh, when we were appointed missionaries, that was something that our mission board was heavily invested in. Now they're moving toward uh, using national leaders to carry on the task. Our first year was spent in the city of Campinas uh, in the state of Sao Paulo where we studied the language for a year. Uh, if you can't speak to a people in their heart language, with very much difficulty, are you going to be able to communicate the message? And so we spent a year studying the language. Uh, a year after that, uh, with a tutor, while we were in uh, the city of Rio de Janeiro. That was our first destination in the city of Rio de Janeiro. We stayed there for 11 years. I taught at the Brazil 
uh, South Brazil Baptist Seminary in the city of Rio, one of three national seminaries that the Brazilian Baptist Convention uh, still operates. One in the city of Rio, other in the city of Recife, which is on the northeast coast, and another in the city of Belém, which is at the mouth of the Amazon, a river we have never seen personally. So <laughs> only jungle we know of is the concrete jungle. Uh, we spent the last 21 years of our missionary uh, service in the city of Sao Paulo. So if you'll show that picture, this is what the city of Sao Paulo looks like, at least a portion of it. Uh, this photo was actually taken, of course, from a, uh, a building. Uh, if I were to turn 360 degrees, uh, that's pretty much what you would see in all four directions. What you see looks very pleasant. What you don't see are the dark corners of this city, and there are many of them. You don't see the poor of this in this obvious picture. The, the population of the city of Sao Paulo is 12 million. If you include the metropolitan area, the population approaches 18 to 20 million people. So it's a vast, vast mission field. Missionaries have been in Brazil from the Southern Baptist Convention since the late 1800s. And the gospel took root there in such a way that it flourished. And right now, the Brazilian Baptist Convention is carrying on the work that your missionaries over the past have done. And so we were able to in some ways, work ourselves out of a job. That's what sometimes a missionary will tell you. But basically what you do is you work yourself out of one job into another one. And that's uh, what we ended up doing. When we got to the city of Sao Paulo, we had never really been involved in church planting. It had just been pretty much uh, uh, theological education. Uh, but when we got to the city of Sao Paulo, we saw a tremendous need and were contacted by a Brazilian Baptist state missionary who was working for the state convention in the state of Sao Paulo who was beginning a church. And at that point, the church only had a handful of people, about oh, maybe six or seven, something like that. Yeah. And so we then began another part of our ministry, which was church planting. The last, and we ended up working with this particular Brazilian pastor for 20 years. 20 years, yeah. <laughs> uh, we learned as much from him as I'm sure he might have learned from us. I'm not sure if he learned from us. We learned from him, surely. The last uh, church plant we were involved with, with him, you'll see the slide here. This is where we met. So I'll let Nelda talk a little bit about uh, what you're going to see next. Okay, this was a typical Sunday. You can see we really don't have a back door because we met downstairs and it was hot. We didn't have air conditioning, so we just kept it open. Okay, you'll see that we have women and children and men. We had been able to reach out in this community to a variety of people. This church 
began as an outreach because there was a woman in this neighborhood. She was divorced, and she felt like a Baptist church was needed. She didn't have any training, but God put it on her heart, and she prayed, and Del Suitu, this is the pastor we worked with, and Landon and I felt led to go to this part of the city, and we worked starting a church, reaching children, young adults, and families. Thank you that we had the gas to drive because it was a 45-minute drive on a good day to our, from our home to this area. Can okay. you move to the next one. You'll see some of the results of the work there. Um, yes, I am in a lake. Uh, <laughs> there are no piranha are alligators. Actually, I'm standing in what will become drinking water, uh, so <laughs> you might uh, think about that. Uh, <laughs> this was before we had uh, a baptistry, and we were able to baptize some of our uh, adults and young people in that. We did uh, finally get a baptistry in, in our church to show the next picture. Um, did I not see, I, I don't think that, what you don't see is that uh, I'm standing behind two uh, 1,000 liter, I'm not sure how to communicate that or translate that, uh, water boxes that were joined together. It's sort of like our baptistry that we use in here, uh, a water tank. And this was a young girl that made a decision and the story is, is, is really, truly amazing. I'll let Nelda tell the story of this, this girl. Okay. Landon baptized her older brother in the river. One of the people there at the baptism was his mother. She made her decision for Christ that day. <laughs> she and her daughter were baptized the same time. Now, I had known Alana for a while. And before she got saved, she was a handful. But today, she's one of the sweetest women you would want to know. And her daughter, one time, someone questioned this young girl. And she said, well, it's not in the Bible, so I don't believe it. Okay. So part of what we were doing as well as working with the church was training the, the new leaders. Uh, the next picture I will show some of the leaders that uh, I personally was able to train. This is one of the classrooms in the uh, Baptist Seminary in the city of Sao Paulo. It is actually a state Baptist Seminary, and this is just one, one class. Uh, at one time, there were over 500 students enrolled. When, by the time we had left, uh, the number had dropped uh, uh, a bit because of economic pressures. But men and women came to this training school to be trained for the work that God had called them to do. And so, Pastor, you might say I was a, an angel trainer. There you go. Something like that, yeah. Uh, uh, there was one particular student that I had in a number of classes. Um, how can I say this kindly? He wasn't one of my stellar students. But God used him. Uh, little did I know that when I left this seminary 
to come back here. Uh, he was one of the professors that took over my classes, and so figured that one out. Um, <laughs> later on, he got uh, a contract to write a little book, and he asked me to write a little blurb in the, in the front. And so uh, this student that I thought would not amount to much has flourished. And so this is the, the thing that I like to say. I wish I could say that that was true of all of my students. Uh, one student that I had, the next picture we show, uh, you see him there on uh, our right there. Uh, this is a seminary graduation, and the, the couple on the right is Paulo and uh, Raquel, or Rachel, Paul and, and Rachel. Um, he was a seminary student. They had an English language school. Uh, he became the pastor of the church that we started with the Brazilian Baptist Missionary. And so my student became my pastor. Mm -hmm. And he jokingly said that when he needed something done, he would just ask his assistant pastor, meaning me, <laughs> <laughs> to, uh, to carry on. And so we had a, 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 a good, good working relationship. And so that was uh, uh, the, one of the, the bright spots. Uh, there were several, of course, bright spots in our the later ministry is seeing students that would flourish and fulfill the calling of God. And again, if you're not yet connecting the dots, when we talk about the international mission offering, we're talking about making this possible. Mm -hmm. Sending individuals like Nelda and Landon to be available to influence the lives of others, to, to fulfill that calling, to share a message. Which is, I guess, uh, when you think about it, you spend over 30 years uh, in Brazil. I mean, what led you to do that? I mean, did you see a posting? or what? I mean, why would okay. you go to Brazil to do what you've been doing? Okay, I was privileged to grow up in a Southern Baptist church. We had missionary speakers. Missionaries were prayed for every Sunday. When I accepted Christ, the very next millisecond, he, the Lord called me to serve him overseas. Now, I don't understand how the Holy Spirit works completely. Pastor Stephen can explain that. But <laughs> I knew without a doubt that God had called me, this child, to serve him. Because I already knew there was a need in other parts of the world for the gospel to be shared. Well, time went on, and I was in college. And I was dating this young man, fine Southern Baptist guy, but no call to missions. And I began to wonder, because, wow, this seemed like the real thing. And one day I was walking across campus, talking to the Lord about it, and he told me it was okay. I could go ahead and marry Landon because he had plans. So God knew what he was doing as always. So we married, moved. I joined him in Mississippi where he was an environmental chemist. And after about two years, he began to feel God's call. One night, 
in our bedroom in Yazoo City, Mississippi, we got down on our knees and prayed that God would use us and we would be obedient. We quit our jobs, moved to Fort Worth, Landon went to seminary, and from seminary, we went to Brazil. Thank you for the faithfulness. If you know what a GA is, who in here knows what a GA is? I am one. So thank you. Because I knew there was a need. And God allowed me, through your prayers and your giving, to fulfill it. Thank you for praying. You may not have known our names, but you prayed for us. Today, there'll be people in heaven because of your prayers. Thank you. I wanted you to hear that part of their journey because you see, to be a missionary is really to respond to God's call, prompting as God would lead them to share in that way. And in a broad sense, that's what we're wanting God to do in all of our lives in terms of prompting. Now, it may not result in you ending up in a foreign nation, but in a personal way, we can say yes to his stirring in our hearts to move in the direction that he asks us to go. And it's conceivable as you begin to do that, then maybe he will then subsequently say, and I want you to, to go to a distant place. Uh, and God prepares the heart and the mind to, to recognize that. Now, many of you have been praying this week during the International Week of Prayer. I thought it might be beneficial as the week of prayer comes to a close to ask, having been on the field, if a church was to be praying for missionaries, is there something in particular that you would underscore with us that we would, would keep in mind? Um, the mission task today is, it's not different, but the challenges today seem to be different in many parts of the world. Uh, we had no fears going to Brazil for our safety or our support. Um, as Pastor Stephen has pointed out, we worked alongside of other missionaries, uh, some Baptists, some not, who had to raise their own support. And I recall one particular couple, family, uh, he was a seminary professor alongside me. We had offices side by side, and he was self-supporting. Um, his support level dropped. He returned to the United States, stayed for a year and a half, working to build up his support, got it up to level, came back to Brazil. Six months after his return, his, report, his support fell again, and that caused him to leave the field. Uh, we lost a good missionary, a good teacher on the field because of their lack of support. You're giving through the two avenues, the cooperative program, which is monthly, and the Lottie Moon Christmas offering. The Lottie Moon offering goes above and beyond the cooperative program. It, every penny you give to the Lottie Moon offering makes its way overseas. Administrative costs are taken out of the cooperative program giving. So what you give, what you put in the envelope and put in the offering plate, makes it overseas. It not only buys gas and food, it buys Bible, it provides uh, training opportunities, much like the opportunities we provide 
and India for Pastor Ramesh. What was the question? <laughs> okay. If we were to encourage them to pray in a particular okay. way. One, pray that they stay close to the Lord. That may sound kind of strange for a missionary needing that. But with the busyness, sometimes the relationship can slip. So pray that they stay spiritually solid. Pray for their safety. Because there are some that are going into parts of the world today that are not safe. And pray for their families. Some of them have to send their children away to boarding school. Praise God, Landa and I did not have to do that. There was schooling in the cities we lived in, and we're grateful for that. And pray that they are able to communicate and that they get along with each other because sometimes they have disagreements, and that can cause problems. Pray for them as people, and pray that they be obedient unto the Lord's calling. Thank you for your prayers and your giving. May they continue. Let's show our appreciation to the Joneses. I can honestly say, though, they've returned stateside in retirement. They haven't stopped serving and have not stopped extending the message in a way that's an encouragement to so many others. And so I'm grateful that they're living that out. As we've already promoted uh, through the month of December, we can give generously in support of, of our cause together that helps send couples like the Joneses abroad. And I, I hope that you'll uh, be willing to join us in that as the month of December progresses. But let me say, I'm hoping as we move sl slowly toward Christmas that you will be angel-like in how you conduct yourself. As God sent angels to deliver a message, I hope over the next two and a half weeks you'll find yourself in a messenger role inviting someone to be with us in a worship service, inviting them to come to our Christmas Eve services on the 24th, or as God enables in just a personal conversation, just point them to the hope that you have in Jesus Christ. Uh, again, as I said, when we do that, we're more angelic perhaps than anything else we might potentially do, as we would extend that good news to a person that needs to hear it. I want to move us into our, our time of response this morning, and yet I want to make the appeal rather straightforward. I, first, I would hope for all of us that we'll commit ourselves to be a part of this mission endeavor that God has allowed Southern Baptists to be a part of through the International Mission Board, through our support, through our prayers. I hope you'll also pray about how God could use you. But it's conceivable this morning, given the good number that we have here, that God's been stirring in a heart potentially to, to take the step that the Joneses have, were willing to take, to say, honestly, the Lord, if you want to send me to a foreign place, a foreign field, I want to be available to do that. And if that is something that has been in your mind, on your heart, or is emerging even this morning, we want to encourage you to step forward with that. And I'm going to ask some of our members to come forward as they do each Sunday to be at the front. 
If you feel prompted to come and to pray or to be encouraged, they're here to receive you for that purpose. If God has stirred your heart towards some other decision that needs to be shared, again, you can share that with them and allow them to guide you forward in, in the next step that might follow. But would you stand? We want to give you just a moment or two to respond to what we've heard this morning and pray. It will allow God to work through our availability.